This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Goldcamp. Wanted to continue our spring football preview. Obviously, the other day we looked at the offense. I kind of went through position by position and gave you my expectations for Florida as a whole heading into spring football on the offensive side of the football. Um, you know, some spots where I think Florida, quite frankly, lacks a little bit of top-end talent. And um, some other spots where I think if Florida can stay healthy, they have a chance to be pretty good on that side of the ball. But I wanted to shift over to defense today. Let's talk about the defense for the Florida Gators. We'll do the same thing. We'll go through position by position and sort of outline my expectations heading into the spring. I'll let you know the guys that I'm really keeping a close eye on as we begin Billy Napier's first spring football. So I think unlike the offense, I think I'm a little bit higher on the defense. I actually shouldn't say a little. I'm a lot higher on the defense heading into 2022. And there's a couple reasons for that. One, I think that Florida's recruiting defensively was actually quite a bit better uh, throughout Dan Mullen's tenure than the offensive recruiting. And I think, you know, whether or not that stemmed from Florida's maybe overconfidence in its abil- ability to develop players on the offensive side of the ball, uh, their inability to recruit that side of the ball from from the standpoint of the assistant coaches they had working on that side, whatever it is, I do think that Florida has recruited significantly better on the defensive side of the ball over the last four years. And so I think the group that Patrick Tony will inherit as a co-defensive coordinator, along with Sean Spencer, is going to be quite a bit better than what Billy Napier is working with on offense in year one. So let's begin to take a look at the defensive line. I think that's the place you have to start for Florida. Unfortunately, because as we've talked about in the past, Florida did a pretty poor job of balancing you know, classes in terms of position on the defensive line, particularly on the interior the Gators are still recovering a little bit. And what I mean by that is in the 2018 and 2019 recruiting classes, Florida signed only two interior defensive linemen. Um, of those guys, Malik Langham transferred out to Vanderbilt, and Jalen Humphreys has really played very little going into now his fourth season at Florida. So really you got almost nothing from the 2018 and 2019 classes. That showed up in a big way last year when obviously Florida was forced to take three graduate transfers at the position at defensive tackle. Those guys, those three graduate transfers, are now also gone. So Florida is kind of in this revolving door at defensive tackle a little bit. The good news is, heading into 2022, Florida has at least had time to let the recruiting recovery catch up now. So the the classes that they took in 2020 and in 2021 have now had the chance to get on campus. They've had the chance to develop a little bit, hopefully, probably not quite as much as Florida fans would want at this point. When you look at some of those individual names, like I mentioned, Jalen Humphreys, uh, Jervon Dexter would probably be the one guy that you would say has really kind of been what we expected him to be at Florida as a former five-star prospect. 
Probably not a coincidence, right? So Florida needs to get better at recruiting those top talent guys like Jervon Dexter. But when you look at it, spring football, I think, for the defensive line is really going to be about those defensive tackles that have been around on campus now for two to three years, starting to take that that next step. Because outside of Jervon Dexter, Florida's going to have to hit the transfer portal to get anybody proven, or they're going to have to develop some guys in spring practice. And obviously, the best combination would be both of those things happening, where you're able to, after the spring semester ends, and you know guys maybe make some decisions about where they want to play next year, hit the transfer portal and hopefully Florida can bring in a guy like an Antonio Valentino last year who I thought had quite a big impact on the defense and you know really was a veteran leader I think you'd like to see Florida add one of those guys but then really what you got to be focusing on this spring before that happens is what happens next to Jervon Dexter right you've got a handful of guys there that are in their second or third year Jalen Humphreys Jalen Lee Lamar Goods those are the three guys that have been around for a while and you have to start getting something out of some of them Jalen Lee is probably my favorite to win the starting job next to Jervon Dexter. And I don't know that that's super ideal because I think, you know, Jalen Lee can also play three technique. And, and obviously we're expecting Jervon Dexter to play the three technique. Florida needs to find a nose tackle. Now, the good news is they've got some options there. Desmond Watson's a guy that played last year, uh, top on the scales at over 400 pounds. I thought for a true freshman, now obviously he's got some conditioning issues, but I thought for a true freshman, he did extremely well holding the point of attack. There were a lot of situations that Florida used him in, particularly down near the goal line, where he was taken on double teams and really occupying a lot of space. So if Florida can continue to develop him, and when I say develop, I'm really talking more strength and conditioning, and especially that conditioning part of it, right? Get, get to the place where he can play more than just a couple snaps, where he can be more than just a goal line package kind of guy for you. I think you got a chance to be really good in there because if you put a space eater next to Jervon Dexter, he's going to be able to create some penetration in the backfield. Now, overall, do I like this defensive tackle group? Not really. Um, I think they're a year away probably from being at their best. And I say that knowing if Jervon Dexter has a big year, he could be off to the NFL draft. But you're in a situation now where some of those younger guys that you've started to backfill those misses in 2018 and 2019 with, they're starting to get to the place where you should be able to count on them. And so I, I think Jalen Lee is probably the favorite to win that starting job next to Jervon Dexter. Um, but some other guys that I'm interested in this spring, Christopher Thomas is a guy that had a knee injury last year was a, as a true freshman and didn't play at all. It, you know, he's a guy that was extremely productive at the high school level. So I, I don't know how available he'll be this spring. Again, injuries, I think, especially under Billy Napier, are going to be fairly hard to, to decipher, although obviously that's not a huge change from what Dan Mullen gave us in the media. But uh, we'll find out what he can add to the table this spring. Chris McClellan, I think, the signee that was a top 100 prospect, ended up, ended up committing to Florida before Billy Napier was even hired. He's a guy that has a lot of position versatility in the sense that he's a bigger guy, can certainly play the three technique, but could possibly grow his way into the nose tackle position. Or, you know, if Florida opts to keep him slim, could even maybe give you some snaps as a bigger-bodied strong side defensive end. You add Jamari Lyons coming in over the summer, he won't be here for the spring, which is kind of what we're talking about in this preview episode. But I look at the amount of bodies that Florida has at defensive tackle right now, it's, it's not so much a numbers problem now. It's who can step up and be SEC-level contributors and then, again, hopefully start to develop some all-SEC types, which I think Dexter has the potential to be. Defensive end, let's go ahead and shift over to defensive end for now. 
obviously Zach Carter's loss is, is quite big. You know, Florida will not have a guy that is as versatile as him, able to play both on the edge, and really I thought was probably Florida's only guy that was 100% very consistent setting the edge against the run. Um, he was quite good at doing that, and that's obviously an area where Brenton Cox, who comes back on the other side sort of as that buck, jack type, not quite as good doing that. As good as he is at rushing the passer, needs to become a little bit more disciplined in in kind of setting the edge against the run and allowing linebackers to fill in behind rather than sort of giving those big lanes off tackle, which were really a problem for Florida in terms of stopping the run last year. Um, but overall, um, I think Billy Napier did a, a decent job of convincing some of these guys who for now are sort of just bodies to stick around at least for the spring. Because if you remember... After Dan Mullen was fired, Florida had they, they went from being a team that had a ton of those Buck Jack type guys as edge rushers to all of a sudden Chris Bogle entered the transfer portal. Dante Zanders or Dante Lang changed his last name at one point, entered the transfer portal. Lloyd Summerall entered the transfer portal. So not only did you have uh, Zach Carter leaving from that strong side spot, but you had three of the guys that were behind Brenton Cox. Um, and in my opinion, Chris Bogle being one of them that was pretty close to replacement level for Brenton Cox hitting the NCAA transfer portal. Billy Napier tried to do his best to keep some of those guys around. Unfortunately, I think they lost the one that was probably the best player, and that's Chris Bogle, who's headed off to Michigan State. So a little bit of a loss there. Florida probably doesn't have quite as many bodies at that buck position now as you may think. Um, but Brenton Cox is obviously a go-to pass rusher. He's the kind of guy that is going to take some focus off some of these other guys and should allow them to develop a little bit more. But when I look at the defensive end position, it's very similar to defensive tackle in that you have that one proven guy, which for for defensive tackle is Javon Dexter, for defensive end and that rush edge position is Brenton Cox. And then it's all about who can you develop behind them. And I think just like defensive tackle, there's a favorite to sort of line up opposite Brenton Cox. And that's got to be Princely Umanmi-Alan. I think he was... Uh, very, very good as a sophomore. Really, I thought should have played more as a true freshman back in 2020, but he's begun to get more snaps. I think he's one of those guys that, from a physical standpoint, can actually be one of those guys that sets up and 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 really sets the edge against the run for you there. And that's what Florida needs. So I, I expect him to have a big year. I would imagine that he's one of the starters on that defensive line going into spring practice, and we'll see how he fares. But I think he's got the skill set to really, really be an impact player there. Beyond that, you have sort of a, a mix of guys, right? And one of the things we don't know right now heading into spring practice is exactly which guys that Billy Napier is going to kind of move between linebacker to defensive end to that Buck Jack rush spot. And I think one of the guys who I'm most intrigued by, and we'll talk about him at linebacker as well, is Chief Borders. And I believe right now Florida has him listed on the spring football roster as sort of an edge rusher as opposed to uh, an inside backer. Right, He's an outside linebacker, edge rusher type. He's got the physicality. He's got the frame to be both a, a physically imposing presence if he plays inside linebacker in between the tackles, which I think Florida really lacks, and we'll talk about that more when we get to the linebackers. But I also think he's got the versatility to potentially be an edge rusher, potentially be a more stout version of that buck or jack linebacker spot. You know, Billy Napier and his staff are calling that the jack. So I'm going to start referring to it as jack moving forward. But I think he can be that guy where, you know, can rush the passer, passer occasionally from that position. But if you have a situation where you want, you know, a guy that's a little bit more 
physical, a little bit bigger setting the edge. I think he can develop into that. Now we'll see where his size comes out after this offseason of strength and conditioning, but he's a guy I'm very intrigued by. Other buck types, or sorry, jack types. I'm going to get that wrong for a little while here, guys. You just got to bear with me. I think Antoine Powell is a guy that, you know, as a purely edge rusher, did a pretty good job last year and showed he could get after the quarterback. He's one of those guys that, you know, we talked a lot about Todd Todd Grantham sort of recruiting these tweener types that were sort of between positions. He's a little bit light for my liking in terms of those rush edge guys, so I'd like to see him bulk up a little bit. But I think he's got some potential. I think when you talk about two guys, you know, going back to the Zach Carter spot that can maybe fill in behind Princely, I really like the potential of second-year players Tyreek Sapp and Justice Boone. Now, Justice Boone was a guy that was on campus early, has had a little bit more time in the system than Tyreek Sapp, who showed up a little bit late into the fall camp cycle last year. Um, But Sapp was a guy that didn't take long to get going. And again, we weren't able to see some of these things with our own eyes in practice uh, from the media standpoint, because the last two years with COVID-19, everything's been kind of shut down. But speaking to guys that were at practice and sources, you know, on the team, Tyreek Sapp was extremely impressive right away when he stepped on campus. He's a very physical guy. So I think between Princely, I think between Tyreek Sapp and Justice Boone, I think Florida's going to be just fine at that strong side defensive end position. So to me, I look at the edge rushers. Probably what Florida needs is another guy to step up as an elite pass rusher along with Brenton Cox. And I think Princely can be that guy on the opposite side. But right now, I don't really know who is going to be a high SEC-level player as far as a pure pass rusher off the edge. I think Powell can grow into that, but I want to see a lot of offseason development in terms of strength and conditioning from him. Overall, on the defensive line for Florida, I, I, I feel okay about the group that Florida has there. I, I you know, You've got some experience. Javon Dexter and, and Brenton Cox, obviously, are two pretty good pieces to build around. I think what needs to happen is you've got to see, again, those second- and third-year players like Princely, like Jalen Humphreys, like uh, Jalen Lee, Lamar Goods. Those guys have got to begin stepping up. If Desmond Watson can slim down a little bit. If you can get to a group where you have about eight, maybe, guys, coming out of the spring that you feel comfortable with, I think you can get to a place where you, you have about six that you can count on to play at a, at a pretty decent level in the SEC. And then I think going into the second half of the show here, which I'll talk about, I think Florida has the potential to be very good in the secondary. Now, that was an obviously a, a big issue for Florida's defense over the last two years, I would say. I think a lot of that was scheme-related. But I also think now Florida has the personnel in place for guys like Corey Raymond to really start to turn some careers around in the secondary and leave Florida with a pretty good outlook in the secondary going forward. So I'm going to take a quick commercial break here, guys. When I come back, we'll talk about linebacker, we'll talk about cornerback, and we'll talk about safety right after this commercial break. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. 
And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Goldcamp. We're going through our spring preview on the defensive side of the ball, touching on each position on that side. We've tackled the defensive line already. I think in that group, a lot of potential. But for now, that's all it is. And spring football will have a lot to do with whether that potential starts to turn into production on Saturdays in the fall in the Swamp. Linebackers of position, again, like defensive end, like defensive tackle, where you have one clear veteran. And unfortunately for Florida, really this was a position that could have been an absolute unquestioned strength going into 2022, if not for the transfer of a couple key linebackers. Mahmoud Diabate transferred out to Utah. He'll face Florida in the opener. And then Tyron Hopper, who I thought was really over the course of the last two years for sure, and and really even flashed three years ago. I thought one of the guys that Florida just had to get more involved at linebacker. I know I am not alone in that stance, a lot of Florida fans were very high on Tyron Hopper as a redshirt freshman and as a redshirt sophomore last year, and for good reason. He showed us right away when he was able to get on the field just how effective he could be. Unfortunately, he has also transferred in the offseason, and he will be at Missouri. So two linebackers that were pretty productive at Florida last year, albeit you know very differently in terms of how they're viewed by Florida fans, will be on the schedule next year. So that's the unfortunate part. The fortunate part is kind of a silver lining to Ventrell Miller being lost for the season in the second game of the year last year with that torn biceps. He's going to take advantage of a sixth year. He's going to use that COVID-19 year that the NCAA granted to all athletes who are around for that 2020 season. He's going to use that in addition to his red shirt and come back for a sixth season. So the good news is Florida has a veteran middle linebacker who is a very, very good tackler, is very instinctive between the tackles. And, you know, probably doesn't have the best sideline to sideline speed. That's obviously going to be the drawback for Ventrell Miller. But you're bringing back a veteran guy who, who has a lot of playing experience, who is very well respected in that linebacker core, and I think can continue to help bring some of the younger guys along. The big question is going to be who steps up next to him now that Tyron Hopper is gone. A lot of options, not a lot of experience. Amari Bernie is really the only guy in this unit that has any semblance of experience. He's also taking advantage of a COVID year, has played at Florida for the last four seasons. He came in as a nickelback. Uh, Florida kind of bounced him around a little bit, sort of looked at him at safety briefly in practice, but he never really played there. And then he eventually transitioned into that money linebacker spot where, quite frankly, I think he was ill-suited. I think Florida's staff got a little ahead of itself on trying to be too versatile on defense, recruiting too many tweener types. And Amari Bernie, as we've talked about in previous editions of this podcast, is pretty much the epitome of a tweener between that linebacker and that nickelback spot. I don't think he quite has the top-end speed 
to really hang with some of the mismatch problems as a nickel, and I don't think he quite has the physicality. In fact, I'm fairly confident that he does not have the physicality to be an every-down linebacker between the tackles. So he's a guy that I think, at least for spring, will be around to help guys you know, sort of continue to accelerate their learning curve. But for me, he's not a long-term answer there. I think he can be a situational player, game-to-game, uh, game, depending on how, how the matchup looks there. But for me, I've got to see some younger guys start to step up and really challenge for a starting spot next to Ventrell Miller. David Reese would be the other veteran that is back in this group, and this is not the David Reese that racked up hundreds of tackles for Florida a couple years ago. This is the brother, the younger brother of Stuart Reese, who was the offensive lineman that transferred to Florida out of Mississippi State. Reese has been extremely banged up throughout his Florida career, really hasn't made any sort of impact so far. I'm not counting on a lot from him. That's just kind of my personal philosophy. When guys get into their fourth and fifth seasons and they haven't done much, I tend to start looking towards younger guys because I think the trade-off in terms of upside versus what you're going to get out of you know the guy that hasn't shown a lot is probably more beneficial to start playing younger guys. So there's a couple guys I'm looking at this spring. Chief Borders, I mentioned when we were talking about that defensive end, rush end position. I think he's a guy that has the size to do that. I love the idea of getting him involved in between the tackles as an inside linebacker. Not sure Florida staff's going to see it that way. I do think don't get too locked into the designations that Florida has on the roster right now. Right now, Chief Borders is listed as an outside linebacker. I wouldn't be floored if those kind of things are a little bit fluid in the spring as Florida gets to see not just the tape from previous seasons, but they get to see these guys move around in pads on their own with their own eyes this spring. I think you can see some guys shift. So he's for sure a guy I'd keep an eye on next to Ventrell Miller. But I think the one that most Florida fans and certainly most hardcore recruiting fans would be looking to see this spring is Derek Wingo. And he's a guy that comes out of St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the best high school football programs in the country has some previous experience playing linebacker at the high school level, but had primarily shifted down to play defensive end and work as an edge rusher in his senior year of high school. He's now had two years on campus at Florida to reacclimate himself to linebacker. And I think he's been contributing on special teams. I, I would like to see him continue to add more size, but I think he's a guy when you talk about, potential replacements for Ventrell Miller after 2022 and you talk to anybody around Florida anybody around St. Thomas Aquinas about his leadership abilities that's what really stands out about Derek Wingo and that's what intrigues me about him as a prospect you need to be both looking for somebody to compliment Ventrell Miller in the short term in 2022 but you also you'd like to if possible develop not just for now but also for the future and so he's a guy I'd like to see very heavily involved this spring I'd like to see him at least get some reps with the ones next to Ventrell Miller to see what he can provide he's a guy that I think has a lot of upside Dewan Black is another guy that's in his his class designation as as a junior uh, so both of those guys going into their their third year uh, well Dewan Black only with his second year with Florida but uh, he's a junior maybe a little bit further advanced as far as his time away from high school. He's more of a hybrid type to me in, in the mold of an Amari Bernie. Now, perhaps he proves to be a little bit more physical. Maybe he can bulk up a little bit more this offseason. I know a lot of Florida fans are high on him. I'm probably not quite as high as a lot of Florida fans. He, he strikes me as a little bit of a tweener, and maybe I'm just gun-shy coming off the Todd Grantham era, but 
I'm a little hesitant on those guys given the issues that we've seen at linebacker in terms of not being physical enough to come up between the tackles to be able to take on blocks, shed blocks, and then make plays before the ball carrier is going by you. So he's certainly a, a prospect to keep an eye on. I just don't know personally if I'm as high on him as the rest of the fan base. The other guy that will be there for the spring that I also think, like Chief Borders, has a lot of position flexibility is Jeremiah Williams, Scooby Williams. Not quite the same size as Chief Borders, not quite as tall, but I think when you talk about athletes at the position at linebacker that also have enough size to be physical, he's one of the guys you circle. And I think a lot of people around the Florida program are very high on him. So I think, look, between those three guys, Derek Wingo, Chief Borders, and Scooby Williams, I, I think you can come up with a competent option. And then I think when you've got an Amari Bernie and a Dewan Black, package-wise, I think Florida will be in good shape where you're able to sort of adjust to obvious passing downs, get some more personnel in there that's better suited to playing in coverage, maybe not necessarily as good playing between the tackles physically. But I think Florida should be okay at linebacker. I think it's going to be another one of those positions where you have a veteran, you have a younger guy next to him, and maybe for the first three, four weeks of the season, there's some growing pains. But by middle of the year, hopefully, you've got two guys that are playing at a pretty high level. Again, a lot of potential base there. You've got one really proven guy, and you've got maybe a, a pot of, you know, three, four, five guys at that group that can step up. Spring ball's all about who's going to take the lead in the pecking order there. But I do like the potential at linebacker. Cornerback, probably the single position that I am most high on with Florida going into 2022. And there's a couple reasons for that. Not insignificant is Corey Raymond's addition as the position coach there. Longtime LSU coach, you've seen what he's done with the Tigers, coaching up guys like Derek Stingley, Eli Ricks, uh, a number of other excellent, excellent LSU cornerbacks over the years. I'm only going back the last year or two, but they've developed cornerbacks at LSU at a high level for a very long time with Corey Raymond there. Now he takes over a group at Florida that is really getting to the place where a lot of second-year players, third-year players should be in position to make major jumps. And on top of that, you've got a potential proven guy coming back in Jason Marshall. I thought he was very, very good as a true freshman last year. I think he's only going to get better. Avery Helm is a guy that was a second-year player last year. We know about the measurables. 40-inch vertical in the four threes as a 40-yard dash runner. Extremely, extremely talented athlete. Maybe not always the best technique, but I thought he was probably a little bit underrated by fans last year. I think he started off the year pretty rough and by year's end was playing pretty good football. Again, this secondary with Florida is kind of hard to evaluate for me because I hated some of the scheme decisions that Florida made with these guys. I thought they, they played off the ball far too much. Some of the blitz packages didn't make a ton of sense and to me left certain guys hung out to dry at times. So I want to see what this group can do with a more sound scheme and and with new coaches in there. I think Avery Helms got the potential to be a very good starter. But the thing is, we're assuming Jason Marshall's got one of those starting jobs locked up. I don't think anybody has an idea what's going to happen with that second spot, right? Avery Helm is a guy that started the majority of Florida's games last year, um, but I don't think he's guaranteed a starting role. Jaden Hill's back from a torn ACL. He was the guy that was going to start there last year before he got hurt. You know, I'm not super high on Hill in terms of physicality, but he does have good instincts, especially near the line of scrimmage. I, one thing I've always thought that Jaden Hill does very well 
is read and react to screens. And that's a big part of college football in today's game of the RPO and all that. I think having that reaction speed is not a small deal. So I'm a little higher on Jaden Hill than a lot of the Florida fans. Having said that, he's only one of the guys in the mix there. I think Jalen Kimber, a transfer that Florida added out of Georgia, is another guy that's going to be firmly in the mix to start at cornerback. He's a little bit on the lighter side. I know that Steve Wiltfong chimed in on the Swamp 24-7 message boards the other day based on guys that he's heard uh, around Jalen Kimber's camp that he's he's excellent as a coverage cornerback, really, really good in man coverage, probably not as physical. And I think that is something that Florida is going to have to develop with Kyir Elam gone. But he's another guy that he was potentially in line to start for the national champion Georgia Bulldogs last year before a shoulder injury ruined his season. So that's three guys right there with a pretty good blend of potential, some experience, and fresh start. I think that can help all three, but that's that's a really good core. I think by year's end, we're talking about Florida having one of the best cornerback duos, and I'm not even sure which two end up being the duo, You know, whether it's Jason Marshall and Avery Helm or Jason Marshall and Jalen Kimber. I'm not sure, but I think Florida, based on that battle of, I think, those three guys at the position opposite Jason Marshall – that's going to be a pretty good position. And that's not even talking about some of the other guys you have on the roster. Ethan Pouncey, now two years removed from a high school hip injury that he's had some time to really rehab. He was a former track guy, you know, high potential there, four-star prospect. Jordan Young's a guy that worked at Nickelback last year as a true freshman, really impressed in fall camp. And I, I believe he was around for the spring and was pretty impressive then too. Uh, I don't know exactly how Florida is going to break out the Nickelback, whether those guys will train you know, with the cornerbacks or whether they'll train with safeties. Right now, Jordan Young is listed on the spring roster as a cornerback. So we'll see whether or not they move him outside, but pretty high on him. And then signing Devin Moore out of Naples is a guy that's six foot two, a lot of range. And I know that Florida's new staff really targeted him from day one when they arrived on campus and, and sort of got on the road recruiting. He was a guy that they really liked and went and signed him. So when you look at this cornerback position, I think you're talking nine guys deep. Uh, in terms of bodies, and I would say I'd feel comfortable with at least four of them right now rolling out there as starters. So that's a pretty good position group to me. I think by the time you come out of spring, that group's going to look pretty darn good. And I think certainly by the time the 2022 season ends, we're talking about Florida having one of the better secondaries in the country again. Now, having said that, a lot of that talent was there last year at cornerback. A lot of that talent was there in 2020, although younger. The issue for Florida has been safety play has, in a lot of ways, left the cornerbacks out to dry at various points. And I think a lot of that was scheme-related, but they go hand-in-hand, right? Cornerbacks and safeties got to be working together. Good news for Florida. Some fans may disagree with me on this. Trading, I thought, was playing pretty good football by year's end. I thought he really helped set the tone defensively at times when he was able to come downhill and, and put a hat on a hat and, and really make some noise. He's got to get better. Don't get me wrong. He's got to get better. But I think what you got to remember about Trey Dean is he's a guy that came in with super high expectations as a high four-star, top 100 type recruit, and he didn't have a position right away, right? Florida tried him at cornerback. They tried him at nickelback. Don't think he has the hit flexibility for that. I didn't think he quite had the footwork for it. It took him a while to get back to safety. I mean, he didn't work at safety until he was a junior. And in 2020, Florida had three seniors in Donovan Steiner, Brad Stewart, and Sean Davis, and he didn't play a whole lot. I thought last year when he got his first real look at safety, trading was very good. I'd expect him to have a pretty good senior year. The other guy that Florida fans, I think a lot of Florida fans aren't very high on, is 
Rashad Torrance. I thought, to me, as much as he was around the ball, I think that shows good instincts. Wasn't always the best tackler. Didn't always take the best angles. I'm hopeful that that can be worked on. You know, I think Florida, you know, with the new coaches in there, uh, Patrick Tony working with him in the secondary, I think should help. Uh, at the very least, you have two experienced guys at safety, which at least gives you the comfort of being able to sort of go with what you know early on. And then if it doesn't work out, you've got younger guys there to develop. Um, we, we should talk about Nickelback too, because you know I, my the way I look at it right now, Florida's previous staff lumped the Nickelbacks in with the safeties. So let's talk about that position as well. I mentioned Jordan Young. I think he's a very, very good fit for, for Nickelback there. Kamar Wilcoxon is a guy that suffered a season-ending knee injury last year and wasn't able to play. He was uh, one of the guys that I thought in 2020 as a true freshman was one of the more impressive guys on the roster. Very physical prospect. I think can play that Nickelback spot. Jadarius Perkins, another guy that's uh, a little bit more experienced. He was a transfer that came into Florida last year from Missouri. I thought played really well when he was in there. Now, he struggled with injuries here and there and was sort of in and out of the lineup. But between those three, I feel pretty good about your your chances at Nickelback. And that's not even mentioning Trevez Johnson, who started last year a little bit up and down. That's, that's four pretty good options at Nickelback. I feel good about that spot. Going back to safety, you know, we mentioned the two, Rashad Torrance and Trey Dean. It's a pretty pretty deep group, again, of, of at least with bodies with potential. You got Mordecai McDaniel back there. Donovan McMillan would probably be the top of my list of sort of the younger guys behind those starters. I really like his potential. He seems to be a guy that guys gravitate to in the locker room, a leader type. Fenley Graham is a, you know probably more so a specialist for me in terms of a returner, but he's working back there at safety. And then you've got last year two other of last year's true freshmen in Dakota Mitchell and Corey Collier, who, again, those are pretty good prospects coming out of high school that I know a lot of people were high on. So you've got more than enough bodies there. And I, I didn't even mention five-star Kamari Wilson, who uh, you know will be on campus as well. You've got a lot of options there. I think between all those, when you talk about Florida secondary, you get better coaches in there. With uh, I, don't, I don't think there's any question that Corey Raymond is a big upgrade from Jules Montanar. Uh, I actually thought Wesley McGriff did a pretty good job with the safeties, but it wasn't clear to me that... McGriff was always on the same page with the rest of the defensive coaching staff. I think there were some issues maybe even behind closed doors there with just sort of the staff chemistry. And so I think having a fresh start, you know, with Patrick Tony leading the defense, being able to lean on Corey Raymond, I think will be very, very beneficial for this secondary. I think the secondary will end up being the strongest group on the team. Having said that, it will depend a lot on the defensive line's development because any secondary, I don't care how good you are, if the quarterback has time to sit back there and throw, especially in today's game of football, with the development of the route trees, RPOs, the amount of different ways that offenses can stress you, no secondary is going to hold up well if you can't get after the quarterback. So, right, so it's a, it's a full-team approach. But I look at Florida's secondary, and I see star potential there. I mean, I really do. I think you've got Jason Marshall, you know, probably the only guy that right now I think a lot of people on the outside would look at as a potential all-SEC type. I would be surprised if there aren't two, maybe even three, all-SEC types in that secondary that we're talking about by year's end. Now, I could be wrong. I could be overestimating people. I could be underestimating um, how much of last year and 2020's issues were personnel-driven versus scheme-driven. I may be underestimating that. I'm not sure. I don't think I am. Uh, I, you know, I really like, when I look in the secondary, I look at how guys do in the you know in that first five to ten yards with the line of scrimmage. I see a lot of guys that I like there. Jordan Young, I think, can be very good there. 
Jason Marshall, very, very, very good cover guy. Avery Helm, if you get him a little bit more technique with his athleticism, can be really good. And again, trading, I think if you ask him to do the things he's good at and are able to get him in positions to do that, I think he's a lot better than if he's trying to turn his hips and run downfield with people. So for me, guys, I I think this defense is going to surprise a lot of people. Now, I think the key to that happening is on the defensive line. Jervon Dexter's got to continue to develop into an all-SEC type. Brenton Cox needs to take the next step in his game, become a little bit better at setting the edge. Ventrell Miller needs to be healthy, and he needs to be Ventrell Miller. And those three guys, to me, have to bring up a lot of these second- and third-year types that have potential that, for whatever reason, whether it was a preference for seniority under the previous defensive coaching staff or they just hadn't quite rounded the corner yet, a lot of those guys got to begin to have an impact. If that happens, I think Florida's defense is going to be very, very good in 2022. So, guys, I'm going to leave it there. That will do it for today's episode of the podcast. I hope you guys are enjoying the spring preview content. I will be back at some point with Blake. Jacob Rudner flew into Gainesville yesterday, our new staff writer on Swamp 24-7. So we'll have him with us pretty shortly. He'll be out there at spring practices with myself and Bob Redman starting on Tuesday. And we will have, obviously, all kinds of in-depth reports on the 15 to 25 minutes of practice that we're able to see. There are some rules which we'll, we'll break down for you as far as reporting uh, guidelines. We'll break those down in a future episode of the podcast once we are out on the field and, and can relay you some firsthand information. But for today, guys, that'll wrap it up for today's episode of the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to hit like and subscribe. We're trying to grow the channel again. We did have a month off because of Blake's uh, moving situation, and I had some, some stuff going on in my personal life. So uh, we need you to be out there sharing, liking, subscribing the podcast. It'll help us reach more people as we get into spring football, and we, we certainly appreciate all your support. That'll do it for me today, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.